Uh, well, good morning. I'm Pastor Clint. Um, obviously, I'm not Pastor Allen. Pastor Allen's on vacation this week. Uh, and his family are going to be the Outer Banks somewhere. And so um, pray for them that they have a good trip. It's a well-needed vacation for them, um, and that they can kind of get rejuvenated, come back, and pour more into us as a church. And so I'm filling in this week, and we're still in our follow series. Most of you guys, it seems like you guys have been coming for that, so that's good. Hopefully, how many of you guys have enjoyed that? I can't really see it because of lights, but I believe you. Um, <laughs> so uh, that's something I'm not used to yet. And so it might throw me off, but I don't think so. Okay, here we go. So we're five weeks in to the follow series. Doesn't seem like it's kind of flown by, I think, uh, but we're five weeks into it, and uh, we've been looking at what it means to be a Jesus follower, what, the, what all that entails. And so we've looked at uh, narratives, things that you can find for yourself if you want in the book of, uh, books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and we looked at how Jesus interacted with people, how he invited them to follow him, and also how he talked about what it meant to be a follower. So really, we went to the source. If you're going to follow somebody, you want to know what it looks like to follow that person. And that's what Jesus has given us. So we've talked about a few things. One of them is, uh, if we're going to follow Jesus, where does it lead? We talked about that one week. Last week, uh, you might remember, we talked about follow where. So what do we wear? What, how does it make us look? What do we pur purposely put on uh, as a Jesus follower? And this week, we're going to talk about something different. Um, so there's many, many benefits to being a Jesus follower. We kind of talked about that throughout this series, that um, it makes us a better person. It, may, it really changes our life. You know, we'd be a better husband, better wife, better parent, uh, better teacher. We could be a better in our career. All these things, because following close to Jesus rubs off on us, and we become more like Jesus. So that's always a good thing. There's lots of benefits. And maybe, if you've been coming, or maybe you just heard this, you think, well, that just sounds too good to be true. And we want to tell you that that's not good, too good to be true. Those are things that happen when you follow Jesus. Uh, but today we're going to talk about something a little bit different, right? And that's the fine print, as you can see there. And so um, there are lots of things when we think about the benefits of Jesus, following Jesus, but we also have to think about there's something that's it's going to cost us something eventually. Eventually it's going to cost us something uh, to follow Jesus. And you'll be glad it did. It, it, and we'll talk about that more as we go through it. But um, we have this question. If I'm following Jesus, right, and it's going to cost me something, is the price enough? Is it worth it? That's something we'll have to wrestle with. And then also, whenever we decide if we would choose to do that or not do it, whatever it is, it really tells us something about us. It tells us whose we are. Are we really a follower of Christ or are we just doing this thing on our own? And so, um, that's the question we think about. Am I really a follower, or am I just a consumer? You know, I think in a lot of churches, we just come in and it's like, oh, the music's too loud, it's too hot, it's too cold, they talk too long, they talk too short. We have all these lists of things we ex expect. It's like we're going to a restaurant or something, we've got this list of things we want. That's consumerism, right? And I think it affects all of us uh, differently, but I see that in churches. I see it everywhere that I go. Uh, and the Christian faith, and we're not called to do that. We're not called to be consumers. We're called to be followers. And so Jesus realizes that that's not a new idea, right? It's been happening forever. And so Jesus is going to talk about that today, the, the difference between what it looks like to be a follower and a consumer. 
and we're going to be in Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 27. And he, Jesus realizes that people are following him right then. There's this crowd, right? And they're probably just along for the ride. They're necessarily not in it for the right reasons. You know, all these miracles are happening. Uh, he feeds people. He can walk on water. He raises the dead. I mean, all these things are happening, and they're like, they're just along the, for the ride. And so Jesus is going to address that. But first of all, he starts out talking to his close-knit group of friends. These guys that we've talked about, he handpicked those followers, the guys that are doing life in, day in and day out with him. And he addresses them first before he talks about anything else to the bigger crowd. And he says this in verse 27, Jesus and his disciples went out to the villages around Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked them, who do people say I am? Now I don't recommend that. When you're at lunch today, don't say, who do people say I am? They might, you, might not be, you might hear some stuff you don't want to hear, right? And you also, they might be saying nothing about you, and that could be just as depressing. So I don't recommend that you do that. Um, but Jesus is bold, right? So he says this, who do people say that I am? He understands that there's a buzz around him. People are talking about him. And they replied, some say that you're John the Baptist, who recently got his head cut off, so he would be reincarnated. Or others say Elijah, or still others, one of the prophets. And so Jesus doesn't go off and say, well, reincarnation is not what I believe, blah, blah, blah. He doesn't go on this theology trek. But instead, he keeps it more simple. He says, what about you? Who do you say I am? And Peter, I love Peter, man. I recognize, I kind of relate to Peter. He's that Sunday school kid that's like, oh, I know the answer. I know the answer. I know the answer. And that's what he does. And he says, you're the Messiah. And so that word Messiah, we don't hear it in regular context probably. We've heard it within the church world. Uh, But what does it mean? And so for Hebrews, that's the anointed one. That's someone that they're waiting for. They're longing for him to come. God's going to send him. He's going to rescue the world. He's going to rule the world. All these things, that they, these expectations. And in the Greek, the word is Christ. How many of you guys think that Jesus Christ, that's his last name? You don't have to raise your hand for that. I can't see you anyway. Uh, but we can't look him up in the phone book. And I was thinking about that this week. The students that I talked to on Thursday... A refuge, they don't know what a phone book is, uh, which is kind of crazy, but you can't look him up that way. It's not his last name. It is his title. He is Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. And so Peter gets it right this time. He's not very, he doesn't have a good track record of actually saying the right thing, and we'll see that a little bit later, but in this case, he's right. And so the next slide, Jesus does something that's kind of out of character. What I didn't expect whenever I read this, you know, whenever we were studying uh, or when I read it the first time, uh, Jesus warned the man, them not to tell anybody about him. And I'm like, are you serious? Like, I'm supposed to tell somebody about Jesus all the time, aren't we? And that, that's the expectation. But at this very moment in time, it wasn't time yet. So he told, tells them not to tell anything about him. And so then he began to teach this group, this close group of friends that he has, that his followers, uh, something that's going to surprise him. It's kind of the fine print. You know, we understand what fine print is, right? We, we get a contract, and there's this big promise in the contract, and all of us go, okay, but what's the fine print? What's it going to cost me? What, what's the catch? And so Jesus is kind of giving us the fine print here. He's, gonna, he's giving them the fine print of what's going to maybe be on the line uh, with this choice of following him. And so then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer. The Son of Man is Jesus. 
uh, many things, and he'd be rejected, and the elders, and the chief priests, and the teachers of law, and that he must be killed, and after three days, rise again. And so, that right there is some heavy news, if you're following Jesus, right? And Peter, who always doesn't get it right, reacts in this way. He pulls Jesus aside, and he, he's, he's like, there's no way that's going to happen. I mean, Jesus, you are so awesome. I, seen, I, I was in the boat when you controlled the weather. I mean, I saw, I've seen you feed the thousands. I know who you are, Jesus. You're this Messiah guy. Let's just forget about all that negative stuff. Let's start talking positive, Jesus. The people aren't going to like this negative stuff. Let's just cut that out. Come and just leave that at the door. Let's start talking about positive stuff. Let's start talking about things like, you know, uh, prayer and heaven, those kind of things. Jesus doesn't say, okay, you're right. But instead, he kind of reacts a little harshly. He says, uh, get behind me, Satan. Maybe your idea of Jesus is that he just walks around and talks real calm, real quiet, and wears white robes, and how he keeps them white in the dusty roads of Jerusalem, I'm not sure, but maybe that's your idea of Jesus. And it might not go with what this scripture says, but he says, get behind me, Satan. And is he just being a jerk to Peter? No. What he's doing is saying, you've got something else in mind. Peter, you're more worried about what's going to happen to me and how it affects, could happen, affect you, how it could affect you because of what's going to happen to me. And so he goes on to say it. He explains it. Do you, you don't have, the mind, the, have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And maybe for a lot of us, that verse can hit home. I think all of us probably can. We begin to think about human concerns instead of God concerns. That's logical. That makes sense. So let me put that in perspective for you uh, when we're talking about what we're talking about is consumer versus follower. So you say, okay, I've got, I've got all these bills to pay. And God, do you want me to give to the church? That doesn't make sense. That's hard. Or, me and this girl been going out. This is hypothetical. I'm married. Uh, <laughs> but we say, this, me and this girl been going out, and she's not a Jesus follower. But she's awesome in other ways. That's a hard decision to face. Am I a consumer or am I a follower? Am I concerned about the things of God or am I concerned about the things of man? And so that's the kind of idea that he sees and he exposes to Peter. Peter really acting like a consumer, not a follower, is what he's saying. And so, then after he, he has that kind of powwow with his group, he calls them and the rest of the crowd. So these other people, thousands of people, whatever it was that was there, and he begins to talk to them, and he wants to tell them the fine print. And really call them to be a follower, not a consumer. And so what he says, he says he asked the crowd to join him to come along with him and the disciples and said, let me be really clear. Whoever wants to be my disciple, which the word disciple and the word follower are the same, uh, same meaning in Greek, must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life must lose it. So think about that for the cross for a second. I've got a picture for you. Uh, one of the things that I think about when I think about the cross is Easter I think of jewelry. I think of tattoos that are cool that I like. 
You know, that kind of stuff. And maybe, you, maybe you're like that. Maybe you think, you know, well, there was the Easter thing. I hear that there's three crosses. There's two bad guys and one good guy. And that's kind of all we kind of contextualize. But for Jesus' crowd, this scared them to death. This is what they would have walked into city every day with. They would have smelt it. They would have been engaged with people that maybe even they knew hanging on the cross. It was Rome's favorite way of killing people, torturing people. And so now he's talking to this crowd. Jesus is talking to the crowd and he says, hey, by the way, you're going to have to take up a cross. You're going to have to deny yourself. And it's at that very moment that I think the crowd, the majority of the crowd says, peace, I'm out. Like, don't you think so? Like, they're like, okay, it's been cool. Miracles, feedings, water walking, all that stuff, right? You healed my mother-in-law, which was kind of cool and everything. I'm kind of glad you did that. Uh, It was good. But now you want me to do something with this? You know, it's like imagine if we were to uh, line our driveway with electric chairs. Try to put it in our context. How many of you guys would make it into the seat here? I don't think very many people would show up, you know? But instead, we have greeters, and, and we have flags, and we make it more comfortable. But he's putting it in their context where they understand it, and they're scared to death. That's where they're at. They don't know if this is going to be worth it or not, and they're about to check out. So Jesus begins to explain it to them a little more, maybe in a way that they can understand it, that it might, not be, it might be worth it, the cost might not be so much. And that's what he talks about. He says, whoever wants to save their life. Now, Jesus is a great teacher, right? He is finding common ground. If I threw everybody in the ocean right now, who wants to save their life? Everybody wants to save their life. It's not, that's what he's doing. He's making this really simple. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. How many people die? One out of one people die, right? That's a statistic. Uh, it's probably the easiest one to remember. And, and the thing is, is that you can't take anything with you, right? It's, uh, it's not going to um, benefit you to store up all this food or store up all this wealth because there's nothing you can do about it. Um, you can't take it with you. And that's kind of what he's saying. Who wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me, for Jesus' sake, and for the gospel will save it. And he's talking about life. He's not just talking about possessions. He's talking about lifestyle. Who has a lifestyle that's devoted to me will gain something. And he'll tell us more about that in just a second. But he says, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? The word forfeit means to, to give up, to trade in, to lose, right? And so who wants to lose their soul? just because they want to gain everything. So imagine it right now that you had the, most, the best, most awesomest life you can imagine. You have everything you want. Every person you've ever wanted to be in your life is in your life. They're, 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 they're loving you. And he says, you gain all that stuff, but you could potentially lose your soul. What good is it? And then he kind of flips it around on the next part and says the same thing, but a little bit different. Just to drive his point home, because like I said, he's a good teacher, right? He knows how to do that. And so, or what can, or would, is probably a better way to say it, anyone give an exchange for their soul? So imagine you had that awesome life. Everything went exactly like you wanted it to, 
You drive that car, you've got that house, you've got that spouse. You, I mean, everything is working out. People look at you and say, I just want to be that dude. Like, I just, I want to be that chick. Like, I want to be that person. They, you're envied. You've got all that going for you. But honestly, if you ask yourself, what, what would you trade to save your soul? The answer is probably everything. I'd lay it all down. I'd walk away from it. So we come to this conclusion, and in his crowd, Jesus' crowd's conclusion is this. My soul is greater than my things. It's greater than my lifestyle. It's greater than my relationships. It's greater than everything. I believe that. Now maybe, just self-preservation or whatever it is, we believe that, right? But when I was thinking about this this week, do we really believe that about the person sitting next to us? I don't know. If we say, well, it's not worth it to share the gospel with somebody. It's just too awkward. It's too hard. It's too tough. Do we care about their soul more than our comfort, more than those things? Ultimately, we can wrestle with that question on our own. And so, really, it's an idea of, am I a consumer or am I a follower? And so Jesus goes on to say, in the next slide, in Mark eight thirty-eight, If anyone is ashamed of me and my word in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man, that's, that's Jesus, that's God, in the flesh, will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the heavenly angels, with holy angels. Um, so, that's a lot to say, what's going on there. That's a future scene when God, Jesus is going to come down with the angels, there'll be judgment, okay? Kind of without going into deep theology there. But what's he saying? I'm going to be ashamed of you. I'm going to be ashamed of you. That's heavy. And this isn't a guilt trip, I don't think. Uh, he's just being real with them. It's relationship-driven, right? Our relationship with God, He feels for us, we feel for Him. When we choose not to do what He wants us to do, I think it hurts Him. It breaks His heart. And so there's, there's repercussions for that. There's consequences. And, and really, that happens not too long after that. Let's fast forward to Jerusalem, and you've got one guy, the guy who gets it right some of the time, the guy who doesn't get it right most of the time, and that's Peter. We already mentioned him. Jesus is going to tell Peter, hey, you're going to deny me before this is all over with. You're going to say, no, I'm not one of those guys. I was just along for the ride. I was just there because of the miracles. I don't even know that Jesus guy. And so Jesus' reaction to Peter would be, okay, man, you're out. You're not a follower anymore. No, it's not that. Thank goodness it's not that. What he says is, you know what? I still love you. I forgive you. And, and even though you've screwed up here, I'm going to go on to, for Peter. I'm going to make you a great leader of the church. I'm going to entrust you with my biggest enterprise. And that's good for us, right? Because he just says, yeah, you know what? When you feel ashamed for me, whenever you feel like life is too hard, whenever you feel like uh, I just can't give, I just can't make that decision to choose a relationship, I just can't get my uh, behind out of bed and go to church, whatever it is, right? He doesn't look at us and say, hey, you're out. He says, you're in, and I love you, and I forgive you. And I love that about God and everything when it comes to that. So that's reassuring for me. I want to say that at some point in the journey, following Jesus will cost you something. No matter where you live, no matter what you're doing, if you say, yes, Lord, I'm going to follow you, it's going to cost you something. Maybe it's a job. 
Maybe it's an opportunity. Maybe it's your Sunday morning. You guys already denied yourself and you came for that. You know, maybe it's one of those things. It could be big, it could be small, but eventually it's going to cost you something. And Jesus wants his folks to know that. He wants us to know that for sure. And here's the fine print, okay? This is the most important thing. If you don't take anything else away today, this is it. This is our sticky statement. And this is the longest sticky statement I've ever had, by the way. Uh, We always try to have one of those. This is a long one. Salvation is free. It costs us nothing. Let me say that again. Salvation is free. It costs us nothing. As a matter of fact, it costs God everything. He already paid the price, right? He sent his son to die for us because of our sins, and he paid it. So we can't earn our way to salvation. I'm not going to be a good enough person. It's impossible. But Jesus stepped across the cosmos, put on a dirt suit, lived a life, and died for us. So salvation is free. It costs us nothing. But following Christ will eventually cost us something. It will. And if we're a consumer, maybe we're saved, but we're a consumer, Christian. We just go through the motions. It doesn't seem to cost that much. It really doesn't seem to bother us or uh, get in the way of our life. We still choose the way we want to live. You know, when I was thinking about that, that maybe, like I was thinking about some missionary friends of mine, you know, they choose to uh, make hard decisions. Sometimes we don't just make decisions based on ourselves, right? We say we make decisions based on our family, on our friends. How's it going to affect my family to go into ministry or whatever it is, right? How's it going to affect my family if I have to, if I choose to tithe or if I choose to serve, if I choose to show up on Sunday mornings, if I choose not to, whatever it is, right? Friends of mine that are missionaries, they chose. They had kids, but they said, okay, we're going to move to Argentina. God's called me to do it, and we're doing it. And it was a long road, and they went to school, and all these things, and they made it. They got there. They could have said, no, it's not worth it. It's too much work. It's too, it's too hard on my kids. What if they go to a new place and they get bullied? because they're different, they're an outsider, or whatever. They could have said all those things, but they chose not to. And for you guys, it may not be missions work, it may not be ministry, it may be just those simple things in life, or more difficult decisions. Am I going to take that job? Am I going to go here? Am I going to do that? How am I going to live my life? It will cost you something. This week, I had a volunteer for refuge, and she was telling me a story about how she was going to come to refuge. And she said, hey, you know, I've been invited to go to this, like, electric dance thing, I don't know, some sort of exercise thing, I think, but I'm choosing to come to refuge. And I was like, man, can I use that in my sermon? And I got her permission and everything, and so uh, that stood out to me. That is a, I'm gonna, I really want to do this, but I'm choosing to do that uh, kind of moment in life. And so, and the good news is that you'll probably not have to die for your faith, We don't have electric chairs out there. We don't have crosses that we have to bear in that way. Unless you go serve somewhere in the world where that happens, or unless this country changes its mind about what Christians are and who who they think they are and what they're going to do about it, we probably won't ever have to die for our faith. But we will be called to die to something. And maybe that something, when it comes, it's going to be really hard. It could be your dream. It could be part of your dream. It could be the best career you've ever thought. Whatever it is, we choose to do it in faith. 
the main thing, the biggest decision we can ever make is in faith. And that is that we choose to follow Jesus and start a relationship with him. And at that moment, it's not about me. It's about him. It's whenever I realize that he loves me enough that he died for me. And then I just want to love him back. I don't have all the answers. I don't know everything. But at that moment in time, when a person chooses to follow Christ for the first time, they don't need all the answers. They don't need to know everything. They just need to accept him and follow him. And so today, our takeaway again, I'll say it again, as we close here, if the band would come up, salvation is free, it costs you nothing. Following Jesus will eventually cost you something. And so, if I'll have everybody bow their heads and close their eyes as we close today. Maybe you're here and, and you've been coming to this church for a little bit, or maybe you've never came before. I think I, I didn't see very many new faces, but you've been hearing this follow series, and you're like, you know what, Jesus, following Jesus sounds good, and now I understand the cost, and I'm ready to step across that line. Maybe you, for the first time, you heard that God loves you enough that he died for you, and that despite our sins, despite the things that we do wrong, he can forgive us, and he can change our life. If that's you, if you've never made that decision to follow Christ, I want to give you that opportunity to do it right now. There's really no reason to wait. Life will be better. Life will be changed whenever you make that decision. And you can pray something like this, and it's not a magical grouping of words, but it's you crying out to God in your heart and say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I realize that, and that you died for me, and you rose again, and I ask you to come into my life I will ask you to take control of my life. To f- I want to follow you. I want to learn to love you back, God. Now, if you just, re- just pray that with me, the first time you accepted Christ and you want to start that journey, you cross, the, cross that line, even if you've been coming to church forever and you just now made that decision, just raise your hand for me. I don't want anyone looking around. I'm not going to call you out on stage. If you did make that decision... Fill out a connection card. Let us know. That's how we follow up with you for sure. For Christians that are in the room, you, may, you denied yourself and you came this morning. And I've asked you, are you a consumer or are you a follower? I don't know if that's a blanket statement, but for you, I want you to think right now and just pray. God say, I want to be a follower. I know what's in my life that's making me a consumer. And I don't want to be just along for the ride. I want to be all for you, Jesus. Just take a moment and kind of wrestle with God about that. Pray to God. God, thank you for this opportunity to come together, Lord. Your word is so awesome. It refreshes us, it challenges us, and it changes us, God. And I pray that you'll work through the message today and help us not to be just consumers, but be followers. And for those that that have made decisions or are thinking about making decisions, I pray that they just make that decision now. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for how you're using Sister Valley Church. Thank you for this series and, and how we can learn to follow you, Lord. Be with us throughout a week, God. In Jesus' name, amen.